Thanks for joining me this week on the show. Today, we're going to take a look at emotions, considering them along a spectrum. How do you feel about emotions? That's one of those kind of cyclical questions. Are there good? Are there bad emotions? Are there things that we can do to feel more balanced, especially with life being such a roller coaster? How can we cultivate emotions so that we feel the way that we like more often? And how can we more easily move through more painful emotions so we can come back to balance? So glad to have you with me for this conversation. Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. What if you could maximize your meditation practice with a tool that maximizes your time and attention with images and affirmations carefully selected to boost your positivity, to help you integrate your intentions into your subconscious? I have a special gift available for you. Visit happifiedlife.com and click on the Start Off Happy button to take a look at the phenomenal technology created by Positive Prime that uses neuroplasticity to literally wire your brain for more happiness, higher productivity, better relationships, and greater success. Head over to the happifiedlife.com page to start off happy with Positive Prime. Enjoy it free for 30 days. Welcome back. I am so happy to have you with me this week for another episode of the show. And today I am ready to dig into a conversation about emotions. This isn't a new topic here on the show, but one of my favorites to dive into. And I'd like to propose that we take a little look at emotions as if they exist on a spectrum. So perhaps you struggle with emotions, perhaps you're one who feels them all, embraces them all, feels more open to living authentically. Some people, I might even raise my hand here, having had a good wholesome Midwestern upbringing, some of us traditionally might come from patterns of struggling to express emotions authentically, feeling like we kind of have to live through a filter to be acceptable to fit in. And after all, we are very social creatures. And so the way that we feel and express emotions has a lot to do with how we feel about ourselves and how we connect in community. So let's take a look at how they tend to arise and affect ourselves and affect our relationships with other people. All of this has, has a really good amount to do with the way that we experience stress, how much stress we feel in terms of feeling emotions or trying to suppress emotions, and in these relationships that we have with other people. Are they the way that we want to feel? Are they as fulfilled in relationship and connection with others? Or is it a place where we feel restricted and inhibited? And perhaps this is somewhere where you've been feeling some stress or strain in relationships. And this concept of emotions might feel like something worth digging into. 
So first of all, and I've already grazed over this one, but I want to start with the conversation that feelings or emotions tend to be labeled as good or bad. And I really think it's important to clarify that there aren't any bad emotions. I'd like you to consider this. Now, reactively, you might say, nope, I object already, but let's open this all up for conversation. And I'd love to hear what you think. Please feel free to comment over on the website at happifylife.com, on the YouTube video if this is where you're picking up the episode this week, or in the Live With Less Stress Facebook group where I'm always sharing tips and tidbits and continuing the conversation over there. So what about this whole concept? There aren't any bad emotions. Well, here's where I stand on this. And if you don't know me yet, you might begin to understand that spectrum is a good word for where I exist. I think a lot of things kind of exist somewhere in the middle. And so if you're in a very clear yes or no, on or off kind of a world, then I invite you to come with me and let's step onto the spectrum where we can have different perspectives and even aha moments that might completely shift our previous understanding of the way how things are. So unless emotions are not recognized, unless we don't honor our emotions, unless we're not allowed to resolve these feelings as, these ar as they arrive, I truly believe there are no bad emotions. Emotions are a reaction. They come from a very basic part of our brain. They're a very quick response. Many of them are designed to save us from potential harm and trouble. We'll talk about the, that a little bit more as we discuss the core emotions as we move through the conversation today. And as we mature, as we grow into adulthood, we begin to have the ability to master our emotions. We aren't as often, unless we have some struggles that we're bringing forward because we have suppressed emotions, because we have been kind of stuffing them, putting them aside, not really dealing with them, acknowledging them, allowing them to resolve. As we grow and mature, we are better able to practice slowing down. We can get curious about the emotion or a different feeling, wonder where it's coming from, what that is in reaction to, and we can make more conscious decisions about how we want to respond. We can be less reactive and more considerate in how we want to respond to the way that we're feeling. So we don't need to fear our emotions because we know that even as we are feeling them, we can remain in control. Now, I didn't say that there are no unpleasant emotions or no negative emotions. There's a difference there. I don't think it's right to judge our emotions as good or bad. There aren't wrong emotions. They are simply, as I have already said, a response to what we're encountering in our life, in our relationships, in what is coming up for us. Sometimes it serves to protect us. Sometimes it serves to teach us something. Sometimes it serves to remind us of something that perhaps we haven't dealt with yet. What we can learn 
especially when we are young, when we are formative, when we are looking to adults to model for us appropriate behavior, when it's so important to be accepted and loved by the people who are in our lives, our family and inner circle, we can pick up this perception that certain emotions are bad because perhaps parents, teachers, mentors, people who help shape our perception of ourself and our place in society may discourage us in certain situations from experiencing our authentic emotions. Sometimes these emotions are, you know, it's the wrong place. It's not a place where we can express how we're feeling and they feel they need to curb our reaction or it's the wrong time. Sometimes it leads to an inappropriate action because there's a difference between experiencing an emotion and acting on an emotion. It is not wrong to experience anger, but the way that you act upon that anger can be it has that potential to move into wrong or bad behavior, right? So it's not the experience of the emotions that are bad, but sometimes our young minds, as we are learning this, we're creating our map of how to move through life. We are taught, we feel that the way that we understand this is that the emotion that we're feeling is what has been labeled as bad. And so we can start to untangle this. We can start to move away from this classification. And as I said, you can recognize that emotions are unpleasant, that there are some emotions that may feel negative. That simply means it's something we want to move away from as we've acknowledged and experienced that emotion. And we can look to how we can respond to change our situation, to bring us to a different feeling and emotion. So depending on who you are reading or studying up with, there may be four or seven or eight core emotions. There are different flavors of emotions. There are different flavors of happiness from pleasure to joy. There are different flavors of <laughs> flavors of mad from disgruntled to furious, right? So again, I'm calling on that spectrum. You might think of them in a wheel. You might think of the emotions that you can list. Emotions such as happy, sad, mad, afraid, disgusted, excited. Perhaps you like a longer list. You might add to these core emotions, surprise, anticipation, trust, even sexual excitement as a core emotion. And then think of those radiating out, you know, more, more or less intense, if you will, from that wheel of these core emotions, right? So this is how we can start to examine spectrums of different emotions, the intensity on this wheel. Robert Pluchik is a psychotherapist and well-established author and researcher who has developed his psychoevolutionary theory of emotion. He's got a lot of concept here, even as to what emotions are opposites, what emotions pair to lead us to different feelings, sub feelings, if you will, and emotions. So there's a lot of exploration that you can do here if this piques your curiosity. Robert Pluchik is a wonderful place to start. I will link some images in the blog post over at happifiedlife.com. And one of the favorite tools that I use in talking with groups and in clients is 
someone even created, you know, they took Mr. Pluchik's wheel of emotions and adapted it to be expressed through emojis. And as I'm talking with people, I invite them to consider how much more time we might spend choosing the appropriate emoji to express ourselves than we do simply trying to place a name on the feeling that we're having. So whatever tool works for you, you'll be able to take a look at this. I love this image that I found in a web search of emojis placed along Robert Pluchik's wheel of emotion. Another really phenomenal tool that I love, if you're a visual person like myself, is Yale's Mood Meter. And this is something that they have developed and are even now using in classrooms, which I think is really profound, giving our children and younger students the vocabulary to express how they're feeling. And so this, if you like to get a little bit more objective about a pretty subjective topic, in the Yale mood meter on different axes, they kind of plot emotions according to a graph. Some are more or less intense, some are more or less pleasant. So you can take a look there. And again, as I was talking about radiating out from that wheel of emotions, the intensity of emotions and exploring how they relate, overlap, and change. And I always say too, as you're looking at these tools, you might not agree with the way that they are mapped or charted. Consider that only a point of conversation. I love to hear how differently people feel as they're looking at these tools, these emotion wheels or scales or charts and see how it lands for you. Because I think the more we talk about how we're feeling, what we're feeling, what emotions are and what to do with them, the more empowered we are, again, to move from reactivity, from being subject to our emotions or even unconscious reactions to them, to responding, to having the opportunity to consider what we want to call in, how we want to behave, and what we want to move ourselves to. I recently had a conversation here on the show with one of the co-authors, Amelia Nagoski, of the book Burnout, Completing the Stress Cycle, and her sister, Emily Nagoski, is a health educator and researcher, and she describes emotions as tunnels. I really love this picture. Think of this. You know, and you can think of, you know, you're moving through life and there's a cave and it's dark and it's overwhelming. And in that cave is fear or anger or loneliness. And you don't want to move in there because what if you can't come out, right? Sometimes we feel like emotions are caves. And what if we open our perception to understand that emotions are tunnels? There's always a way out. There's always an other side. It might not always be a pleasant experience to journey through these emotions, but the more that we trust that we won't be stuck in the emotion, the easier it becomes with practice to move through them. Now, if we don't trust, we can move through the emotion. If we put all of our energy and attention and willpower into resisting the emotion because we don't want to go into that cave, the harder the grip, the more intense that emotion is and controls our life. And as we begin to recognize that as we acknowledge an emotion, we put a name on that emotion, it starts to diffuse it. It starts to bring it under our control. We are not subject to the way that we are feeling. And we can, again, with practice, it gets easier 
see that emotion, acknowledge it, move through it as we need to live the experience so that it can be behind us, not lying in wait to be triggered by future experiences or situations where, again, we are more prone to react and we have less ability to choose how we want to respond. We don't want to be kind of creating a minefield full of emotional triggers by trying to avoid the emotions that are coming up. The more that we tune into them and resolve them, the less triggered our life is. Because not only do we diffuse these emotions by not leaving them lying in wait, but we gain confidence in ourselves and our ability to move through these situations. We can, as I was saying, we can create the habit or a protective response of trying to avoid an emotion. And this is some information that came from a book by Hilary Jacobs Hendel. I really love her book. It's not always depression. In fact, I went on to study with her and her program and plan to be offering a program called Emotions 101, where we take a deeper look and we actually look at how we can utilize this amazing tool that she has brought to the wider public out of, you know, therapy circles and and made it available because again, I believe visualization is so empowering. And so she utilizes what she calls the change triangle. It goes by some other different names and different practices. But with the change triangle, we can see that from these core emotions, as she describes it, you can think of the triangle being placed over the body and the emotions reside here in the body. But when we're taught, as I mentioned earlier, when we're young, that emotions might not be appropriate or that some people can't handle our emotions, we start to move out of the body. We, we use our mental processes to try to outwit our emotions. And so we might rely on inhibitory emotions or on defenses to suppress these core emotions that we worry are inappropriate. So inhibitory emotions are things like anxiety, shame, and guilt, where as we start to feel emotions, these other inhibitory emotions put a lid on it, and they can feel incredibly overwhelming. Anxiety can be a gripping problem that more and more people are struggling with. Feeling shame for ourselves or guilt when it's misplaced, when it's when it's not deserved, but we can really take these emotions on. That's one way in which we can be deflecting these core emotions or suppressing them, or we can employ defenses. And it was real eye-opener to for me to be reading this book because I can see so many ways in which, again, calling back on that wholesome Midwestern upbringing where we rely on our good work ethic, where we smile and power through, where we tell everyone we're feeling just fine, right? And we've got a false front. Some of these defenses look like that, like smiling, laughing. Others that you might recognize as defenses are sarcasm or joking. Some people worry or ruminate. Some people are vague, try to change the subject. Perhaps if you're prone to spacing out or procrastination, thinking perfectionism or judgment of yourself and of others' obsessive behaviors, these are just a few examples of the many, many defenses that we can start to employ to avoid emotions that are uncomfortable or that we feel are inappropriate. And often, because we start learning these skills so young, we pick up these reactions before we're even aware of them. It can take 
some awareness. It can take some reflection and working with someone else to recognize that these are not serving us and that we can start to look a little deeper. It's okay to sit with ourselves, to be a little bit uncomfortable with the experience, starting to ask questions, to ask the part of ourselves, what we're responding to, what are we feeling? Where is this coming from? When is the first time we felt like this? Really, really powerful questions. Again, Hilary Jacob Hendel's books, It's Not Always Depression, is a wonderful read, very, very empowering. And it's a, she's created a program that I plan to be offering this year. So if you're intrigued in that, reach out to me. Let me know you're interested, and I will make sure you do not miss out. So both of these, the inhibitory emotions of shame, anxiety, or guilt, or this list of defenses that we might be putting into practice, the reason that we can't live in that space, the reason we can't sustain that is because they drain our energy. They cause dysfunctional patterns and they harm our relationship with ourselves. We lose faith in ourselves. We don't trust ourselves to be strong enough to meet anything that comes up. And we start to harm our relationship with others because we're not being authentic. We're not letting ourselves be known and recognized. And when there's that separation, we can't be present and honest with each other the way that we really need to, to shine in our relationships and be fully embraced. So another aspect that I'd love to come back to, as I already said, learning to name our current emotion is empowering. And you can check out those tools shared on the blog at happifiedlife.com. Learning to cultivate the emotions that we want to call in is even more empowering. I have a couple of exercises I've shared through the years here about how to cultivate happiness, how to cultivate more emotions. But here's a simple exercise. Simple might not be easy. It might take some time. You might have to come back to it a time or two. But here's something you can begin. On a piece of paper or on a document on your computer, on a note on your phone, start to jot down emotions that you enjoy feeling. Take a look at that list, see how many land on that list. Maybe look at some of these visual resources, the mood meter, write down some other emotions that appeal to you. Again, broaden this emotional vocabulary because many times we don't have a lot to name, right? We tend to be very habitual and patterned people. And so perhaps you have a short list of emotions you'd like to feel more of. So get creative, look at these tools and expand this list of ways that you would like to feel. And then break that initial list into smaller lists. Give it some time. Give it some thought. As I said, come back to this and write down experiences or activities that help you feel this desired emotion. And this can be a five-minute fix. This can be a much more intensive experience. It might require travel or more time. It can be something as simple as Listening to a certain song helps you feel this emotion or sitting in the sunshine helps you feel this emotion or it could be something more intensive like being with this person, sharing an experience with them, visiting a place that calls up an emotion that you want to feel. Start making this list. Again, be as simple and as elaborate as you can. There's no rules here getting started. And then as you have this list, as it becomes more complete, Look for ways to be integrating these activities, these opportunities 
into your life so that you can enjoy more of these emotions more often. And again, if you've heard me talk about the gratitude exercise before, you've heard me say that we can train our brains to put more value on different experiences. The gratitude exercise, calling back across the day, listing three things for which we are grateful, trains the brain to put priority on the experiences where we feel gratitude. This over time helps us recognize these instances more often as they are happening, but also helps happy experiences be a little bit more sticky, a little bit more like Velcro in our brain. So take a look at your life, maybe put some things in your calendar, ways that you can be cultivating emotions, the ways that you want to feel. Again, I'm not trying to avoid or replace or overwrite unpleasant emotions. What I am encouraging you to do is to Find some balance to bring in opportunities to experience more of the emotions that are the way that you want to feel more often. I'd love to hear what you have on your list. Please feel free to share those over on the website, happifiedlife.com, on the YouTube video if you're catching this there, or in the Facebook group, Live With Less Stress. It's a free group where I share tidbits and insights and inspirational memes as I come across them, and I'd love to hear from you there. One other tool that I love to use myself Again, to set an intention, to choose what I want to call in for my day or over a longer period of time are the Bach flower essences. And if this is a new one on you, perhaps you have heard of Rescue Remedy. It's a very popular combination available in many health stores, even pharmacies like Walgreens and CVS here in the U.S., that is a combination of five flower essences that are wonderful for instances of shock, of fright, of accidents. So if you are someone who struggles with anxiety, I highly recommend Rescue Remedy, this combination of Bach flower essences. But you can get even more detailed if you have more flower essences available. There are actually 38 of Bach's flower essences, and there are essence repertories from around the world, Alaska, Australia, Southwest Desert, North American. And so you, if you like to think local, you can even dive into flower essences where you are. But this is one of the things that I love to include in my own practice and working with people in having a little intention and in choosing the emotions that you want to call in or recognizing the emotions that are coming up for you that you would like to modulate. A bit. And I'll go back to this image of emotions being on a spectrum. One example that I love to use, and strangely, it even gets to be my name, thanks to my husband, is the vine flower essence. Vine essence is a wonderful flower to use and support in situations of bullying, frankly, in situations where Perhaps you feel you're being, you're dealing with a dominating personality. You're dealing with someone who is a very rigid leader or trying to restrict your freedom of thought, expression, your own personal liberation. And so vine is a wonderful flower essence for people who are feeling 
overwhelmed. They're dealing with an overbearing personality. Ideally, that personality would benefit extraordinarily from taking some vine because it moderates that dysfunctional leadership to allow for more balance, to allow other people to express themselves, to allow more autonomy in the people who are working with this character, right? And so personally, myself, I have traditionally been one to kind of go with the flow, to not cause a fuss, to not make waves. And so although personally, I don't see patterns of being overbearing in my own character, I take Vine when I feel like I need to step up. I need to exemplify leadership a little bit better. So that's kind of an example. You know, bullying is at one end of the spectrum and at the other end of the spectrum is balanced leadership and respect for the team. And so you can imagine with 38 flowers and every one of them dealing with a different emotion, a different tune, there are flowers for anxiety, for depression, for grief, for flexibility, for focus, for worries about others or self or cleansing. It's wonderful what you can do with the Bach flower essences. And again, bring a little more intention as you're thinking about what you want to shift away from or move towards. I have an offer on my website. If you visit happifiedlife.com in the top menu, you will see a link to book a free call. I have a limited number of spots available on my calendar for these short sessions, and I can connect with you if you want to learn more about Bach flowers, if you want to discuss something that came up in this podcast, or if you just want to learn about how I work with people to help feel more balanced in stress, in how we can feel more empowered, in calling in the emotions that we want to feel more of so we feel more energized and balanced as we move through life. A special invitation for you there. You can take a look on my website, happifiedlife.com. And I'd love to hear what else came up for you during the show. I'd love to see how you break down these emotions and start to kind of make your own system of order so you feel more empowered and autonomous again in how we handle everything that comes up in our lives as we move forward. Thank you for joining me. Such a pleasure to have you here as always. If this resonated with you, please share the episode with a friend and I'll see you back here next week. Take good care of yourself. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit happifiedlife.com. Subscribe on your favorite player to catch the next episode as soon as it's out. Sharing really is caring, so please rate and review the show while you're there. And if you know someone else who would love it, please pass it along. Until next time, my friends, keep on shining.